Hallelujah, the Lord is good. It's a day of celebration. Amen. Praise God. Well, what's going on with the rest of you dry people? Pretty good today. Praise God. Uh, well, Merry two weeks before Christmas. Is that what it is? Ish. Week and a half? Is that what we are? It's a good time of year. Amen? Well, let's go ahead and receive the offering this morning. Praise God. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Let's read this together today. It says, Trust in the Lord with part of your heart. <laughs> Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He shall direct your paths. Did you you notice that Him directing our paths is conditioned upon acknowledging Him, leaning on Him, and trusting Him? And how many know the paths that the Lord would, would lead us in, would direct us in, they're not paths into destruction or lack, huh? but they are paths into success and provision and abundance. Huh? We serve an abundant God. He doesn't lead us down a path of poverty and scarcity, but leads us into His abundant provision continually. Praise God. And so the giving, then, of our tithes and offerings is a matter of faith. That is, trusting in the Lord with your finances. That is the, it's one of the primary uh, demonstrations or releases of our faith concerning this area of life, not all areas of life, but concerning the Lord's provision in our life, one of the primary releases of our faith is giving, is our tithes and offerings. And so the absence of doing these things demonstrates oftentimes a lack of trust in the Lord to provide and to direct our steps. Or sometimes it demonstrates a a fear of lack. But how many know, uh, you know, one of the things the Lord frequently said, and angels would tell people when they showed up, they would say, fear not. Should we be afraid of lack in our future? Should we be afraid that we're not going to have enough to, uh, you know, accomplish what we're on the planet to do and to uh, and to pay the bills? And to, no, we should never be afraid of that. That's that's anti-child of God thinking to be afraid that your father in heaven would leave you without and leave you in a situation of lack. Hmm. So how do we trust the Lord? Well, we believe what He said. Alright? And we demonstrate that belief by acting on and doing what He told us to do. Okay? So we should acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways. That's what it says. One of those ways we're focusing on right now. We should acknowledge the Lord in our finances. Do you do that? You acknowledge Him and say, Lord, You are my financier. 
You are my provider every day of my life. You provide for me. I'm not worried about Christmas and next year. You are my provider. I acknowledge you in this. Amen. And so then we demonstrate this trust by giving him our first and our best, saying, Lord, you got this covered. You got me covered in here. I give by what? By faith. I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. And he said he would direct my paths. Amen. Anybody excited yet today? It's not too late. All right. Say it with me if you can. Say, I trust in the Lord with all of my heart. I don't have to figure everything out. He is directing my paths. He leads me into success and provision. I may not know how, but I know He will work it out. Amen. Amen. Father, we love you today. We serve you. We bring you our tithes and offerings. We put the kingdom of God first in our lives. We acknowledge you in our finances and all of our ways. Thank you for directing us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you as you give. We'd like to inform you that you can create a login online at lcboise.com. You are able to access your account and view it at any time. And you can print off your giving statement for tax purposes. You may also opt into the church directory, giving you access to view it. With your help, we have distributed food to hundreds of families through the Grocery Give Ministry. To make collection easier, we will have collection barrels in the lobby to receive the food, donations which will be utilized for Christmas and future food distribution. Initially, we could use non-perishable foods like canned foods and things of that nature. Joy to the World Kids Christmas Program is happening this Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come support your kids and hear them sing and proclaim the name of Jesus to the world. Are you new to Life Church and want to get involved or just want more information? Join us for lunch today from 1 to 2.15 p.m. This class will guide you through the essential beliefs every Christian must know to be successful with their walk with Christ. Child care is provided. Christmas is just around the corner. We have some special candlelight services on Christmas Eve for all of us. So bring your friends and family and enjoy one of our candlelight services, seeing Christmas songs, special music, and a Christmas message. Services start at 5 and 6.30 p.m. For more information, you can go online at lcboise.com or find us on social media sites. Praise God. A lot of good stuff going on. Anybody busy this time of year? We want to help you with that. Give you more stuff to go to. <laughs> Praise God. That, 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 our growth track that happens every week, that's the second classes this week, 201. Uh, we just want to let you know you don't have to do them in order if you don't want. Uh, so if even if you missed 101 last week, you can still come today and get in on some great stuff that's happening and uh, eat food too. Praise God. If you brought your Bible with you today, let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter two. 
I know it's Christmas almost and end of the year. I'm excited for next year already. And uh, good stuff going on. We'll be ramping up our life groups again in January and and uh, getting new stuff going. Praise God. And uh, good, good, good. Hearing lots of testimonies and stories of, of, of God working in people's lives. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, notice with me verse 3. It reads, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Now, if you've been with us over the last uh, several weeks, we've been talking about the last days, and we've been, been speaking specifically about how to survive them. Again, going back to the beginning, not with this survival mentality, because I believe the Lord came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly, no matter what time of the church age we live in. Book of Acts, you know, back then, these days preceding the, the, the return of the Lord. And so the Lord wants you to be blessed and wants you to be strong and healthy and happy and full of joy. You represent Him best when you're thriving as opposed to just surviving. But I use that language in particular because of scriptures like this one. Okay, that some will uh, depart. Well, another one says some will depart from the faith. This one says that there will be a falling away. And this is this references the the time preceding the return of the Lord Jesus. So we live in a very unique and special time. And we're seeing, uh, you know, prophecy fulfilled before our eyes. Some things that were that were stated thousands of years ago. And here we are. At, you know, we showed up right at the right time, didn't we? And, uh, and good things are happening all around us. What a privilege, privilege it is to be a part of it. But we must be wise. We must be discerning. We must be watchful. Stay on our toes. Because there is not only a great work and move of God happening in the earth today. And we are in the middle of that. Praise God. And it's increasing day by day. But also there is a great decline happening in the world around us. And these things will increase in the days to come. And some will leave God in the middle of it. I mean, it's a shame. It's a, it's very tragic. But I've got to make sure that my heart is in such a condition, is so protected and prepared for anything that happens outside or externally that I will not depart from the Lord internally. Okay, I need to stand strong in the midst of turmoil and persecution and, and trouble in this world. Because I tell you, God is not slack concerning His promises. He is faithful and will continue to be. Amen. And, you know, this principle exists in, in the kingdom of God that where sin abounds, grace does so much more abound. So I'm not, I'm not afraid. We don't need to be concerned about all the ill and all the evil that's happening in the world around us or all the tribulation that people go through. No, because in the middle of it, God's provision is there to meet the task. 
Okay, God's provision for you and for me. But how many know, just like uh, just like God gives things for free, the grace of God is a free gift. We still must believe, right? There is the receiving part of what God does by His grace. And so if sin abounds and then grace abounds so much more, I still need to believe in the grace of God. I need to be knowledgeable of it. And if anything comes against me, if hard times come my way, here I, I, I think we should just get excited. Not for the hard times, but like, all right, here comes the grace of God. It's about to overwhelm and overcome anything that attacks my life. And see, our faith in the, in the provision and ability of God to lift us, to sustain us and carry us through must be far greater than our discomfort with and fear of anything in this world that comes against us. Amen. And I tell you, if you keep your eyes on the prize, if you keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus, you'll always be safe and secure no matter what happens. Because belief, belief in Him, I mean, that's an easy thing to have when your eyes are on Him. Because He is so much greater, stronger, wiser, huh? more powerful. And, uh, and when our eyes are on Him, man, bring it. We're laughing. But I tell you, when you get your eyes onto the things of this world and all the trouble that's all around, that's when it becomes a difficult life to live. Okay. Now, even for the believer, even for the saved person, you might have a relationship with God. But a Christian with their eyes full of the world and trouble and focused on the problem, that just doesn't go real well. Okay. So we're going to keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen. 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 So we're talking about surviving in the last days, and that is from falling away, and, and, and we've given you some indication as to why individuals do and will fall away in these days. We said already, number one, is it is because of their love for this world, their love for this present world. Uh, secondly, we said it is because they do not love the truth. Love the truth. Now, of course, we expounded on these things in, in much more detail. Uh, if you haven't, or if you just want to be, uh, you know, get a double dose, access these things uh, on the website and listen to them again. Uh, also, we said uh, that people will fall away because they become offended. Offended is a great trap of the devil. It is a snare that will lead people away. And number four, this was last week. You remember we talked about their love grows cold. Jesus said that in these days, some, their love would grow cold. And so we got to watch out for that. Hmm? Got our eyes open. We're prepared. We're checking our own heart. We're not going to notice one at once we're an ice cube. Right. But we need to notice when the temperature drops a couple degrees in our love. And we got to get it right back up there. Get it right back up there. Because when you're, you know, when things are hot, things are going well, there is no risk or danger of you making, you know, just seriously poor decisions that lead to your demise. I want to look at Matthew 24 again. If you would turn there with me. Matthew, the 24th chapter. And in this context that we've been getting some of these items from, Jesus is discussing the last days and what will happen before his return. Matthew 24 and verse 4. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one, what's that word? Deceives you. Watch out. He said, take heed. Now watch out. 
that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying I am the Christ and will deceive many. Okay, I am the Christ, the anointed one. They'll say I'm anointed. And they will what? They will deceive many. Well, that's a, that should be a real blatant and stark warning for all of us. That many will be deceived. He said, but make sure, take heed that no one deceives you. Look at verse 11. Then many false prophets will arise, will rise up and deceive many. Now, this is what I want to share with you today. Uh, and let's talk a little bit about deception. Okay, it's a real serious issue uh, that Jesus, again, noted in the last days. And I believe some will fall away, are falling away, and will, because they are deceived. They think they're going the right way. They think they're making the right decision. But in reality, they're not. In reality, they're making wrong decisions. They're going the wrong way, and it's going to hurt. All right, it's going to bring, bring a lot of problems in their lives. This phrase, do not be deceived, is, is just like that is used. Uh, uh, the, the apostles used it in the letters to the churches in the New Testament multiple times. Do not be deceived. And they would make certain statements. In other words, there is a, a, a tendency for people, if they're not in the right mindset, in the right condition, which I'll describe that in a little bit here. But if they're not in the right place, deception is a real possibility. Okay? And the way I want us to look at this and recognize is that it is a possibility in our lives. If we think and if we have this mindset, this belief that I could never be deceived. I, that's not even possible. I could never be deceived. Then we are the most vulnerable to it. There are some steps that we can take. There are some safeguards that we can put in place in our own hearts that will uh, keep us from being deceived. But if we just, you know, ignore it and think, I could never be deceived, you might already be. Okay? And, and so this is what we want to avoid. If you look at Genesis, the third chapter, very first book of the Bible... You, you remember the first deception, and that happened with Eve and the fruit. And Satan, basically, who came inside the serpent to deceive and to get them to eat of the fruit that God told them not to eat from. This is what she said. Genesis 3.13 reads, And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So, she is, uh, you know, in part blame shifting. But at the same time, it is a truthful statement. And because and the New Testament verifies and, and, and explains that as well, that she was. But notice the serpent did what? deceived me, deceived me. This word deceived means to lead astray. Okay. It, it means to delude, um, to morally seduce. 
to lead astray. This is the primary strategy that Satan uses against the people of God and against all people. Why is that? Well, one, it's, it's who he is. He is, the, he is a liar. He's the father of lies, Jesus said. Okay? It is in his nature to be fake, false, phony, misrepresent, to lead astray, to cloud things, put them in the dark, uh, to deceive. And he is still at work trying to deceive today. And so, why would he do that? Well, one big reason is because of his lack of power. His lack of force, if you will. He cannot and does not have the ability to force you to do the wrong thing. He can't take you to hell. He can't just walk in and destroy your life. He doesn't have that much ability. He doesn't have that authority. So what does he do? He wants cooperation. He wants his strategy is to get you to agree with him. To get you to think that his ways are the right ways. Because if you do, you will likely then act of your own will, of your own volition, to go the wrong way. To walk the wrong path. To think wrong. And the result is, you end up in bondage. You end up a slave. You, you end up bound up and afflicted. But it begins... With deception. How many know that's why, why one of the primary things that we are called to do is to share truth. You know, Jesus said the truth will make you free. And that we proclaim truth. Why are we doing that? To dispel lies. To untie the chains of bondage around people's lives that are there as a result of believing falsehoods. Our beliefs really are critical to our experience in this life and the next. It's a powerful thing what faith is. I know in our world today, uh, many exalt scientific uh, experiments and demonstration and uh, proof and stuff as the ultimate. Especially in an educated country like ours. We, are, we think scientific. If you attach that word to it, it means everything. <laughs> That's not true. It is not. There, there, are, there are things, there are realities, there, are, there is power and experience that, these, that, that go beyond what someone can look at under a microscope. And you can look and look and look under a microscope and, and never get to it. You know, I, I, I know even, and I, I, I tell you, I, I'm intrigued by some of the, these things. As many people are. I'm a logical thinker and everything. And I don't even mind having that discussion. But a lot of times Christians get real excited when there's a new, uh, new study out. A new experiment. Someone saw something scientifically that was of the Spirit. You know, you hear stories about how they weighed a person. And they were, they were weighed a moment before they died. And there was a slight change in weight when their spirit left. They see the spirit has weight. That, that proves it. <laughs> I think that's, if, you know, I think, okay, that's cool. That's great. 
But you know, that's not the epitome of our, of our, the reality of our relationship with God. There are things that are unseen, that are unmeasured by human standards, that are far more real than anything that can be uh, viewed and, and, and so forth. All right. Faith is a very real substance, a tangible force. Okay, And it lays hold of spiritual realities that are, again, if anything, they are far more real than the physical realities that we see. It's just a different realm. And people struggle to wrap their physical brain around it. But I tell you, the experiences I have had, I mean, I can't necessarily prove them, uh, write them down, show you a video. But I tell you, the experience is very real. The experience of a changed life is a powerful thing. I didn't plan on saying any of that. Uh, but I tell you, again, why does Satan deceive? Why does he seek to deceive? That's the only way he can mess you up. He needs your cooperation. needs your permission. You, you need to believe that, that his ways are right. Meaning the, the devil. Or beneficial to you some way. Or even godly. To think that you're serving God. When you're not. How many know that's happening in the world today? People are cutting other people's heads off. And think they're doing God a favor. And uh, what is that? That's deception. That's severe deception. In Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 16. The scripture reads. Take heed to yourselves. Lest your heart be deceived. Again, what? Take heed to yourselves. Uh, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Why would someone turn aside and serve another god and worship them? Deception is why someone would do that. They think it's the right thing to do. They believe they're going the, down the wrong, right path. When in reality they're going down the wrong path. They're deceived. Deception comes for various reasons, but ultimately deception comes to keep you broke, to keep you sick, to keep you apathetic, to keep you depressed, to keep you sinful. Deception comes even to try to get you to walk away from God. And some do and think, yeah, this is the right decision. Some stay, they stay away from the body of Christ. They stay away from gatherings of the Lord and they think they're doing the right thing. They do. Why would they do that? They believe it's right. Hmm. Some live their lives so preoccupied with natural temporal things that are all going to pass away and they're so focused on it and they believe they're doing the right thing. Why do they believe that? They're deceived. Who is responsible to keep you from being deceived. You are. You are responsible for your own life so that you are not deceived. But I tell you, there's a whole host of, us, of the armies of hell that are battling for your life. And what are they going to do? Try to trick you. Try to deceive you. So, well, I don't like to hear that. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, because we, we, we have protection from this. But you are responsible. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived. Sometimes you can see deception in its work 
basically by the results of a particular belief. When someone believes something that is not true, you see results both short-term and long-term. Okay, but they usually they they diminish a person's life. They they bring a person into bondage. Uh, They they lead them astray away from God. They're not spending more time concerned about the the kingdom of God. They, They usually if you look at the simple things like fruit of the spirit versus works of the flesh from Galatians five. You can identify when someone believes something wrong, different things will rise in their in their life as far as the outflow of that belief. And some of it's real easy to identify. We can look in the mirror and say, what am I doing? Is it love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, goodness, faithfulness? Is that what's happening in me on a greater and increased level? Or as a result of what I believe and therefore how I'm acting, is it more the works of the flesh? Okay. Sometimes individuals, even in their, their, their feelings of freedom, if they were to analyze, they are not, their lifestyle is not more reflective of Christ. And his character and nature, but more reflective of of their life before Christ. And when I say this, sometimes we need to look at things short term and long term. There are some there are some teachings in the body of Christ today that have risen in the last number of years that bring a temporal relief and even a sense of freedom. But long term, they produce a person that is no longer useful for the kingdom of God. It's true. Some of what I'm talking about is some excesses in the area of the grace of God. And you know, if you've been around here, we teach that that strong and it's a wonderful thing. But you'll notice excess when not just it produces a, a, an initial sense of freedom and deliverance from condemnation, but if long term it turns them into an apathetic, I don't do anything for God anymore, then you know that that teaching, that, that supposed revelation has some bad stuff mixed in it. Because ultimately, if I'm following the Lord, not only do I live in a sense of freedom and victory and, and joy and I'm loving life, but also I become more fruitful, more productive, more, uh, more of a benefit to my brothers and sisters in the family of God. Everybody with me today? Anybody liking what I'm... No, no you don't even have to respond to that. Just keep it in until we're done. Eat the whole roll. <laughs> But if a person, if you find that your belief system is drawing you closer and closer to the Lord, that's got to be a good sign. Uh, meaning your, your relationship with Him is better than ever before and you're helping others more than ever. You know, that's got to be a good sign. But if, if you find that your belief system, the way you are thinking, is leading you away from God, you're more distant from Him, uh, then that's got to be a big red flag. But let me let me share with you and talk about who is most vulnerable to deception. I feel like I'm just getting started today. Come on, man. I got to who is most vulnerable to deception. I want to give you two primary uh, 
individuals or, or groups or, or, or states of being, okay, uh, two the, that are the most vulnerable to deception are this. Number one is the simple. The simple. And I want to show you scriptures along these lines and also show you how to overcome it. But Romans chapter 16, Romans the 16th chapter, And I want, to, I want to direct you over to verse 17. Romans 16, 17. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine, doctrine which you learned and avoid them. That's a, that's a strong statement. Is it ever right to avoid certain individuals? Scripturally, it is. Huh? Now, we love everybody, but hey, we've got we've to recognize the whole counsel of God. Sometimes it's right for you to stay away from certain people. Okay? Uh, and avoid them. Verse 18, for those who are such, do not serve the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. Notice those who are most vulnerable to these types of deceivers. And we know this, the enemy, Satan comes to, to deceive, but he often does it through people. Alright? But who is most vulnerable? The, the, the simple are most vulnerable. So I recognize that and I see that I want to make sure that I am not living my life in such a way where I can be defined as simple-minded. And again, if you read the context, he's not talking about someone who's just stupid. That's kind of a strong word. <laughs> not talking about someone who has a low IQ necessarily, but it, it is always in reference to spiritual things. Because we are supposed to be simple concerning evil. We are, we've taught that, right? We're not supposed to be experts in sinfulness and worldliness. But we are supposed to be... Uh, did I say that right? Simple in that regard, but not simple uh, concerning the things of God. Alright, so that's what we want to avoid. That we're uh, not defined that way. Um, Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy, the third chapter. It reads in verse 13, But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Alright, so those who are deceiving, what are they? They are also deceived themselves. So sometimes people will come at you and they're sincere. They're deceiving you and they're sincere in their efforts. Someone said, I just know this person. They're so caring. They would never intentionally hurt me. Well, they might unintentionally hurt you. They might lead you astray because they are the blind leading the blind. Doesn't mean their, their motive is wrong. Some do have a wrong motive, no doubt. And some are deceiving others. Because they're, the, they're deceived themselves. And so we have to realize this. And, and we don't judge a method 
or a, let me say, we don't judge a message based upon how we feel about a person. I mean, you may love them. You may care for them deeply. That doesn't mean you accept what they say. Because what they say might lead you astray. And we've got to watch out that we don't, you know, give in to things because we care about a person who believes them. That's fine. You care about them. You can still care about them and say, I love you. And I don't like anything you're saying. <laughs> you are wrong about this. Huh? How many know you can disagree with someone without hating them? If you go on to the next verse, well, let, let me let me just say this. The, the deceived will often accuse everyone else of being deceived. Right? So you're deceived. No, you're deceived. Okay, we're at a stalemate there, huh? But the deceived will do that. They will, they will believe and think that everyone else is deceived when rea- in reality they are. Someone says, how in the world can we really know the truth then? Uh, how do I know that I'm not the one that's deceived? Well, uh, look at verse 14. Paul writing to Timothy still. He said, but you must continue in the things you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. He said, you've got to stay on with what you've already learned. You've got to continue in it. And he said, remember where you heard it. What do you mean? Well, from Paul and his character and his lifestyle, his fruit, his success, his relationship with God. There is so much evidence. He said, don't forget who told you this. Because look how it's working for me. And that from... From childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. He said, basically, I want you to continue with and continue thinking about meditating on staying with the Scriptures because they will make you wise. That's the opposite of being simple minded. He said, that will keep you wise concerning uh, salvation through faith in Christ. Those who are most vulnerable, often they have an absence of, a lack of continuance in the Scripture, in what thus saith the Lord. And the more a person stays away from that and they don't continue in it, the more they believe they still know it, but they are becoming more vulnerable day by day. But you stay in, you stay with, and what does it do? It makes you wise. So, so, well, certainly everyone can't be there because, you know, people just got saved this week. And certainly they're not knowledgeable of the Scripture. That's why we start. We should start off from the very beginning. The very day we get saved. Let's think about what God says. Let's, put our, let, let's, let, let's, let's read His Word. Let's study. Let's get around things where we can come up to a place being wise unto salvation. And so we're not simple-minded. You see, what can happen then, and what should happen, is we begin to look at life. Through the lens, if you will, of Scripture. 
If we don't know the word, if we don't continue in it, there's a great temptation to look at life, to interpret, you know, popular uh, issues of the day through our feelings, through our desires, what we want, um, through our traditions, maybe through religion. But we look at life, we look at the world, we look at everything that's happening around us, and we don't see it through Scripture, through thus saith the Lord. Instead, it gets turned around, and we start, whenever we hear the Scripture, we start seeing it through culture, the culture of the world. We start seeing it through our own desires, through our own traditions, through our own religion, through our own experiences. We start reading it with those glasses on. And we have got to get those off and flip this thing around. To where I read, I, I hear thus saith the Lord, I, I hear those things are true, and then I look at life. You know, this is, a, this is a real big deal going on right now because there are individuals that are trying their absolute hardest to find and make homosexuality uh, acceptable in Scripture. So they put those glasses on and they're trying to read everything, trying to find a way where I can say this and the Bible are both, you know, can both coexist and be in agreement. And if you're if you read after those who do that, it's like, holy smokes, you really interpreted that scripture like that. It's like you're starting from the wrong place. But that can happen in so many areas because they start with a desire. They start with a longing. I want this to be true. I want this to be the way. I want this to be acceptable. And so we try to squeeze and mold God's Word into it. You squeeze hard enough, eventually you'll get it in there. But the end result will never be freedom. It will never be victory. It will never help someone. It will only reshape God in your image. And this is what we've got to avoid. And this is how we're going to stay strong in the last days. There is an onslaught of temptation. There is an onslaught of misinformation coming at people day and night. And we're only going to be wise unto salvation if we continue in the Word. Amen. And so there are many examples of things that we could possibly discuss in this in this category. And I wish I had more time today. Hmm. <laughs> Should I give you number two? Or wait till next week? I won't be able to do it justice, but maybe we can milk it more next week. But the most vulnerable are, number one, the simple, and number two, the proud. The most vulnerable among us are the most proud. Humility is our protection from deception. It is one of the primary characteristics in life that God uh, praises. Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth in his day. And he was the most used of God. Humility is a, of great value in the kingdom of God and with the Lord. And pride 
is a deceiver. Let me give you this verse. You can write it down. You probably haven't read this verse yet this morning because it's in Obadiah. Wait till you meet him saying, who are you? You had a book in the Bible? Obadiah 3, verse 3. It reads, the pride of your heart has deceived you. What does pride do? Deceives. The proud of heart is the most vulnerable to deception. When a person is more concerned about being right than what is right, they open themselves up to great deception. And so we need to make note of this truth that if we don't humble ourselves and understand what that means, see, humility is reality. Pride is believing something that's not true. And today people are proud of being pride. They're proudful of being prideful. <laughs> they take great pride in, in their pride. You know, it's like the old saying, people say, well, we may be poor, but we're proud. It's like both of those are bad, don't you? <laughs> I don't want to be poor or proud. How about rich and humble? That ought to be a better, that's a much more noble goal. <laughs> God is both rich and humble, not poor and proud. But again, uh, man, I, I, I don't feel like I have time to really dive into this in a, in a great detail. But if we can guard our hearts from these things, and there are, there, there's definitely being simple-minded, there's a solution to that. So don't be. There's a solution we can stay in. We can meditate on. It's why we do some of the, the things we do around here with, with both this kind of session and, and the growth track and the, the life groups and the Bible college and, and different groups study different things. Why? Because we want people to be wise and excellent concerning good things, the wisdom of God. It's a protection for their life. So they won't be duped, won't be simple-minded. And then, and then the proud. And we'll talk about pride next week. <laughs> and we'll talk about that protection. We'll talk, and we'll give you some other things as well. But it'll be a protection from deception in your life. Amen. Father, we love you today. We're so thankful for what you are doing. We're serving you with our whole hearts. And Lord, we are intentionally preparing ourselves to continue with you. In these last days. And my prayer in my heart is that no one. Would walk away from you. For any reason. For any reason. Any temptation. Any deception. But Lord that everyone would stand strong. Your grace I know is sufficient. It will keep them. It will hold them. And so we trust in you. We're not relying upon our own efforts or our own strength. But Lord, we are using your wisdom and using your word. So we can be strong in these last days. Thank you for helping and preparing every heart. Father, for those even that are recognizing and have recognized already. 
that they've drifted or they've believed the wrong thing or their their belief system in their life has pre- produced negative real- realities. There, it, it has produced some trials and tests that they haven't been able to overcome. Father, minister to them now, I pray. Show them your love, your mercy, and your help so they can get things going they're on the right path. Thank you for your your kindness toward us. Lord, we do need your help, and we are reliant upon you. Thank you for helping us today. Thank you for strengthening our hearts. We give you all the glory, all the honor and praise in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.